Amen. Resisting resistance. Resisting resistance is the uh, subject that we want to dive into this morning. Resisting resistance. You know, any time that God wants to do something new, normally we find the enemy meeting that new thing with some resistance. Anytime that God puts something in you that he says, I want you to, to carry this out in your life. There's a there's new vision or there's new direction that God puts on your heart. God, you know, he, he, he's, he's helped you to obtain an associate's degree, but he puts in you, now I want you to go for the master's. Now I want you to go for the doctorate. He, 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 he got you a job at the entry-level position, but he's put inside of you a desire to be in, in mid-level management or upper-level or upper management or C-level management. He's, he's put inside of you the, the passion of preaching the gospel and sharing the good news with other people. But, but there's something that he's stirring in you to take it to the next level and to, to, you know, to equip other people or to take other people with you as you're going for door-to-door evangelism. Those new things that God is wanting to put inside of you or those new things that God wants to pull out of you. Normally, when we come to the place of saying, yes, God, I'm going to go with that route. I'm going to go on that line. Normally, we find some level of resistance that we're met with. And that resistance can come in many different forms. Sometimes that resistance is your own self. Your own fear of what if it doesn't succeed? What if it doesn't? What if, what if they're not receptive to what I want to say? Sometimes it's your own thoughts that hinder you from carrying out that new thing that God wants to do. Sometimes it's other people that speak against what you want to do. They tell you as you share your vision, you share your heart. They tell you that will never work. You don't understand this culture. You don't understand this community. You don't understand. Uh, this state that we live in is such a conservative state. It'll never fly. It'll never happen here. People can be the resistance. Sometimes it's the enemy himself, Satan himself, that, that, that puts roadblocks in our way when we say yes to the Lord. Things that, things that you know are not natural, are blocking your progress. They're, they're, they're standing in the way. So many times we're met with resistance when we say, God, I'm going with you. God, I want to go with you. There were even individuals in Scripture that we find when God wanted to do something new in their lives, they were met with some resistance. One of them was Joseph. We, we've, we've studied and we know the life of Joseph. And we saw the way that God wanted to birth something new inside this young man. God wanted to put dreams inside of him that became reality. God wanted to give him interpretation of dreams that were being dreamt by other individuals. God wanted to promote him in the kingdom. So much so that, that God wanted this to be a big promotion. So he put him in the lowest place. He put him in the jails, and it was from the jail cell that Joseph began having this promotion coming into his life. 
to the point where he was made second in command. We know Joseph's story. But Joseph was met with a lot of resistance from the people that should have been the closest to him. From the people that should have been his biggest supporters. I don't know if there's anybody with us this morning that the people that should have been supporting you the most were the ones that brought the greatest resistance in your life. If we go to Genesis chapter 37, Genesis chapter 37, verses 4 and 5, we see a little bit of Joseph's resistance that he was met with by his own brothers. By his own brothers. Genesis 37, verses 4 and 5. When his brothers saw that their father loved Joseph more than all his brothers, they did what? They hated him. And they could not even speak peaceably to him. I don't know about you, but when I was young, my mom would tell me, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. If the words that want to come out of your mouth have no kindness, have no value, they're, 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 they're not benefiting anybody, it's better just keep your mouth closed. Joseph's brothers, there was nothing coming out of their mouth towards their brother that was going to add any value. They could not speak peaceably to him. But it didn't stop there. It wasn't only that they hated him, but verse number 5 says, Now Joseph had a dream. And he told it to his brothers, and they began to like him after the dream. Huh? Oh. They hated him even more. They already hated him. They were already jealous of the relationship that he had with their father. They saw the way that their father favored him. They saw the way that while the other brothers, they only got that, that sack cloth to wear. But Joseph was made a coat of beautiful colors, an expensive coat. He found favor in the eyes of their father. They already despised their brother. There was already resistance in the relationship. But when Joseph began having dreams, and he began sharing those dreams with his brothers, they hated him even more. The ones that should have, should have supported him the most. The ones that should have, should have stood with him. The ones that should have said, Now Joseph, you're, you're our younger brother. Let us show you how, what now to do with these dreams that you're seeing. Let us support you. Let us train you. Let us, let us show you what to do with these. They hated him even more when the power of God began working in his life and when he said yes. Not only Joseph, but even David, even David met resistance when he went to fight the giant. He was met with so much resistance. You know how Goliath and, and the, the, the tribe of which Goliath was a part was coming against David and, and, his, and, his, and his tribe and his people. And there was force that was there there was a there was battle that was there to the point where they didn't know what to do they didn't know how to respond to these philistines they didn't know how who can we who can we send to go and fight these giants when out of nowhere this little boy 
who said yes to God appears before the king. And the king himself was the first one to resist David. The king himself said, David, you, you, there's no way that I'm allowing you to go and fight this giant. This giant has been a man of war from his youth. And you're just a little boy. You're just a little shepherd boy. All you, all you know to do is spend your time out in the fields. The king himself, the one who had the ability, if anybody had the ability, to say, David, I appreciate the way that you're saying yes to God. Let me, let me, let me put you in a, in a position. Let me give you a platform to allow the faith that's in you for God to work through that faith. The king, if anybody had the ability to do that, it was the king. But the king was the first one to give some resistance against David operating in the faith that was in him. And the king said, I'm not allowing you. But David persisted. David said, nope, I've got to. The same way that Joseph, he didn't let those guys, you know, get it, put him down. Even though they threw him down, literally, he didn't allow them to, to, to keep him down. David was the same way. He said, King, you can tell me whatever you want, but I know what's in my heart. I'm going, I'm going into that valley. I'm going against that giant, and I'm going to conquer him because I've got God on my side. The king still had resistance in his heart. So he said, fine, you can go, but you have to wear my armor. This is, this is the king. Mkubwa. And we have David. Huh? And so here comes the king, and he puts his armor on David, and he can't even walk. He can't, scripture says he assailed to walk. He, it, was, it, it, it was impossible for him to take a step because this armor was too big. Even in the way that the king tried to help, brought resistance to David. Sometimes we go to people and we say, this is what's in my heart. Can you give me some advice? And they give you wrong advice. And you, you try to walk in the advice that they give you and it does more harm than good. It's good to get advice. Scripture teaches us that there's wisdom in a multitude of counsel. Hebrews, we've been studying on Wednesday evenings. Hebrews says, therefore, since we're surrounded about by such great a cloud of witnesses. It's good to go and get counsel, but take that advice against Scripture. When somebody gives you advice, line it up against Scripture. Line it up against what you're hearing yourself in your, in your own self from the Lord. Because sometimes people are meaning, meaning good. They're trying to give you good advice. They're trying to, to, to help you, but their help brings more resistance than without. That's what David found when Saul put his own armor on this young boy. And then still, David persisted. He didn't let that get him down, but he marched into the valley. And in 1 Samuel chapter 17, we find more resistance that he was met with. 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 33. 1 Samuel 17 and verse... 33, there's a couple of verses here. Saul said to David, the king said, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he's a man of war from his youth. Go across the page to verse 44. Verse 44. 
Then the Philistines said to David, this is Goliath now saying, come to me. Imagine this is a nine foot tall giant and he's saying to this young boy named David, come to me, verse 44, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. If somebody would have said those words, if a nine foot tall giant would have said those words to me as a little boy, I would have tucked my tail between my legs and ran back to where I came from. But David said, no, there's something in my heart. There's something that I've come to do. You can tell me what you want to tell me, but I know where I'm going. And instead of tucking his tail and running, David responds back to Goliath and he said no 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 you've got it all wrong I'm the one that's gonna feed your flesh to the birds today Woo! he had something in him he was met with resistance but he kept on going Moses was another one Moses was another one that was met with resistance. We know the story of Moses. These are fami familiar stories. Familiar stories that we're talking about this morning. We know that, that, that Moses from day one, from the word go, there was something special about the life of Moses. The way that God spared him. The way that God put him in a land that wasn't his own. The way that he found favor in that land. From, from day one. When the world was against him, the world was literally against him, but he found favor. There was something special on his life from the moment that he was born. He found favor. Finally, his life progresses, his life progresses, and to the point now where he, he's leading the children of Israel out of Egypt. And even these Children of Israel, whom he is leading out of bondage and into the promised land, it's them who are giving Moses the resistance. Numbers 14 and verse 4. Numbers 14 and verse 4. Listen to what they're saying. Listen to what they're saying. So they said to one another, the children of Israel, let us select another leader and return to Egypt. You know how they told Moses, Moses, why did you bring us out here? We don't have food. We don't have somewhere to sleep. We don't have water to drink. Did you bring us out here to die? Moses said, I'm the one who's leading you out of bondage. I'm the one who's leading you out of slavery. And you are complaining. You're giving me this, these problems. I'm the one who's helping you. I'm the one who's saving your life. Don't you know what I'm doing? Sometimes the ones that we're trying to help the most, they're the ones that are bringing us resistance. The ones that you say, I will give you anything that you need. I'll give you access to every resource that I have. I see that there's something inside of you. I want to equip you. I want to train you. I want to, I want to help you. And they refuse. You see how resistance comes. These three, and, and we can go through the pages of Scripture and we can find more and more and more and more of when somebody said yes to the Lord, they were met with resistance in one way or another. 
Not only can we go page upon page, but in this house this morning, we can go chair to chair to chair, pew to pew, row to row, and we can each tell stories of times when you and I said yes to Jesus, but we were met with resistance. Sometimes it came, it came from the people that should have been the closest to us, Chege. It should have been the ones who were supporting us and our cheerleaders, our loudest cheerleaders. They were the ones that were speaking death into our dream. Sometimes, maybe even, it was even the ones who we were trying to help the most. And they didn't know what they had when we were trying to help them. They didn't know what they had at their fingertips. They didn't know what, what we were making available to them. And they resisted. Sometimes it's the enemy himself to put roadblocks in our way. Sometimes it's not even, it's not even, it's not even man, but it's just something spiritual. Maybe it's a demon. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a spirit that's, 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 there's been a door that's been opened somewhere that's bringing resistance. So what I'm saying in all this is that when we face resistance, we're not alone. When we face resistance regarding an area in our life where we've made a commitment to follow the Lord, when we've made a decision in our hearts to follow Christ and to give Him everything that we've got, when you face resistance, church, you're not alone. Not only do you have somebody sitting next to you who's also faced resistance, but you also can go, like I said, to page after page of Scripture and you can find our elder brothers who have faced the same resistance. Show me a man of God. Show me a man who has the power of God on his life. A woman of God who has the power of God on her life. And listen to their story. You'll hear a story of times when they faced resistance. And it's that resistance that's made them who they are. We'll get to that more later on. But for now, I want us to, I want us to look at four points. You can put four points on the board for me. Of, what, of things that we should be remembering when we're facing resistance. Because you, you, can imagine, you can imagine Joseph when he was in that pit. His brothers were the one that threw him in the pit. You can imagine the discouragement that he was facing. You can imagine how he felt so alone. He felt so rejected. He felt like nobody loves him. Nobody cares about him. Probably there was something somewhere in the back of his mind where he said, is this the time where I just give up? I don't know if you've ever been to, this, to the point in your life where you've wondered, is this the point where I just stop trying? I just, this is the lowest of lows. It can't get any worse than this. Maybe now I should just stop trying. These are four points. These are four points that I want us to look at this morning. That we're in the, when we're in the middle of the resistance that we should remember. Number one, don't grow weary in the journey. 
If I can tell you, church, and I'm speaking from my own experience, and some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you've had your own experience, sometimes the journey is the most important part of the process. You've, you've come out of somewhere, and you know you're going somewhere, but the journey from point A to point B, sometimes the journey is the most important thing. Because the things that you experience and the, the things that, that happen in your life and the things that God shows you and the way that you see another aspect of God, you see His faithfulness in a new way. You see the way that He's with you in a more real way. Sometimes it's in the journey that we come to know our God in a way that we would have never seen Him if we hadn't gone through what we're going through. But... Unfortunately, sometimes in the, in the difficulty of our journey, we give up because we're tired. We throw in the towel because things aren't going our way. And so it's in the journey before we ever get to the promised land, before we ever get to where God is wanting to take us, it's in the journey that we grow weary and we give up. If we look at the children of Israel, one of their biggest faults is that they grow, grew weary on the journey. And Scripture even says they grew weary on the way. In the journey is where you learn the most. In the middle of point A, where God is taking you out of, to point B, that's the time when God is working and transforming your mind in the greatest way. It's in the journey that He prepares you for where He's taking you. It's in the journey that He, that he gets rid of the things that are going to hinder you when you reach. It's in the journey that He, that he removes influences from your life that aren't going to be beneficial for you when you reach where you're going. Are we together this morning? Don't be weary in the journey. Number two, ask yourself, what can I learn from this and how can I grow? What can I learn from this and how can I grow? These questions, anytime you're facing any challenge, even whether it's something small, something big, whatever it is, you're driving down the highway and your car starts beeping at you that you forgot to put in gas when you were back there, ask yourself, what can I learn from this? Huh? How can I grow from this? Next time I'll put in gas before I get to this position. Huh? So the small things, even the big things, God is, I want to say yes to you, but it seems like everybody is speaking against me. It seems like people are, everybody that I, that I share this dream with, all they can tell me is how it's never going to work. What can I learn from this? Because if we, if, we, if we allow our mind to be teachable, what is one of the responsibilities of the Holy Spirit? To teach us. And if he sees a heart that's teachable, he'll teach. When you're going through the challenges, when you're going through the dry times, remain teachable. Remain moldable. Remain shapeable. Because in our, in our resistance, when we're facing resistance, God's shaping us. He's shaping us. Number three. This one is probably should be number one. Fight it in the prayer room. 
fight it in the prayer room. I can't tell you how many times somebody has come, or I've even asked myself the question, I'm facing this situation. So-and-so is saying this. What do I do about it? It's not, like, it's not like you can go and say, you're doing wrong here, or, or, or this really affected me this way when you said it like that. Some of those conversations, although they're important, sometimes they're difficult. I've seen more battles won in the prayer room than what I have by a, a, a hard confrontation and butting heads with somebody. Sometimes you have to confront. Sometimes you have to butt heads. You look, at, you look at the way that, a, that a, a goat takes care of its problems. Hmm? There's times, there's, sometimes there's things we can learn from goats. But most of the time we should learn to be sheep. Mm-hmm. There's times we need to butt heads. There's times we need to confront. But I've seen way more. Let me say 5% compared to 95%. I've seen way more battles won in the prayer room. Because when we're on our knees, heaven pays attention. When we're on our knees, there's angels that are dispatched to minister to our situation. When we're on our knees, there's power that's coming from our lives more than if I were to confront my problem face to face. Fight it in the prayer room. Let God fight for you. You've heard me say like this, when Saul was blinded and the Lord spoke to him, and God said, Saul, Saul asked God, who are you? He called him Lord. Who are you, Lord? God said, I'm the one whom you're persecuting. Although Saul never threw a stone at God himself, Saul never threw Jesus himself in the jails. Still, God responded, I'm the one whom you're persecuting. When somebody is messing with God's kids, he takes it personally. He takes it personally. Although, although it, wasn't, it wasn't God who had the rocks being, it was his kids. It was, his, it was us. It was, it was our, our elder brothers. When somebody comes against God's kids, he takes it personally. He told Saul, I'm the one that you're doing those things to. You're doing it to my children, you're doing it to me. Parents, if somebody's messing with your kids, how long is it going to take you to get involved? Hmm? Not long. Uh-huh. You won't be sitting. Somebody's, somebody's doing something to your children that, that they know they shouldn't be doing, and you're sitting there allowing it to happen? No. That's not what we do as parents. We're up. We're ready to fight. I don't care whose kid it is. That's my kid that you're messing with. I'll beat your kid. Huh? Let me use American language. I'll spank your kid. If I say I'll beat your kid in this country, it means something different. <laughs> we'll get in trouble. But that's the way that God does. He gets personally involved when his kids are under attack. Fight it in the prayer room. Fight it in the prayer room. Number four, keep your promise in front of you. When you serve, what we're talking about today is how when God 
speaks something to you. God puts something in your heart. He puts an assignment on your life, and He says, I want you to fulfill this. Keep that destiny in front of you. Even when you're facing difficulty, even when you're facing challenges, have your destination in the forefront of your mind. Keep your focus even when people are fighting against you. Keep your focus even when temptation is coming your way. Keep your focus even when the enemy is trying to deceive you. Keep your focus even when people are lying about you and bringing accusations against you. Keep your focus. Keep your promise in the front of your mind. Because when God says something, His promises are yes and amen. The King of Kings cannot speak something without it becoming a reality. Although we face resistance at times, keep our mind, keep your mind focused on the promise. Keep your mind focused on the destiny. Mrs. Mbugus, I'll never forget the way that you said, if I'm driving to Indianapolis, and there's all these exits on the road on the way to Indianapolis, But me, I'm going to Indianapolis. I see that there's people that are getting off in Anderson. I see there's people that are getting off in Carmel. I see there's people that are getting off here. Me, I know where I'm going. Let other people get off where they want to get off. I'm on the holy highway. I'm going somewhere. I have a destination. You can get off if you want to. You can let God down if you want to. You can fail somebody else if you want to. But me, I know where I'm going. I'm keeping my destination in mind. I'm keeping my promise and I'm the forefront of my of my mind of my attention when God calls you to do something and there's resistance that comes don't focus on that resistance rise above it and move on I was sharing somebody was sharing with me a dream that they had and they were on the road traveling somewhere and about halfway about halfway they were met by some resistance, by some people that were resisting where they were going. And this brother told me, he said, you know what I did? He said, I didn't stop and answer them. They were bringing lies. They were bringing accusation. They were bringing whatever they were bringing. He said, I, I didn't stop and answered them, and answer them, but I rose above them. I let them where they were. I rose above them, and I crossed over, and I kept going where I was going. Those people that want to talk against you, let them stay down there. Those people that want to spread lies, those people that want to bring gossip, those people that want to bring accusation, let them stay down. You're seated where? In heavenly places. You're seated higher. So get where you're seated. Get where God sees you and rise above. Leave them down. You, you're up. Get above them and keep going where you're going. Don't grow weary in the journey. Ask yourself, what can I learn? How can I grow? Fight it in the prayer room and keep the promise in front of you. Keep the promise in front of you. You know, we serve an enemy who is, who who lacks creativity. We serve an enemy who lacks creativity. And I've, I've, I've watched and I've studied the tactics of the enemy. You know, in in war, in the military, I don't know if we have anybody who's served in the military, but in the military they they teach you 
to study your enemy. Study and know your enemy. And it's the same way spiritually. We should know the tactics of our enemy. We should know the things that he tries to do. We should know the things that he tries to, to come against us with. And, and, and so I've studied. I've studied the tactics of the enemy. And I've only found three things that he normally brings our way. And normally the, the things that the enemy brings our way can fit into one of these categories. Either deception That's speaking lies. It's making you question. Deception is what the enemy used in the garden when he asked Eve, Yea, hath God said? Did God, are you sure that's what God said? He was deceiving her. Deception. Or temptation. Satan Satan even tried to tempt Jesus. Imagine. Temptation or accusation. Scripture actually calls him the accuser of the brethren. Mm-hmm. So normally, normally when the enemy's at work, he, it, 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 his tactics fall into one of these three categories. And so I'm giving you, I'm giving you these, these tactics as just something to be aware of. Be mindful. Be, have, this, have this in your mind that this is the way that the enemy, he's not creative. He doesn't, have, he doesn't have so many bullets in his gun. He doesn't have so many arrows in his quiver. He only has these, these three. Maybe there's more that you can think of. But as I've studied, and as, as, I've, as I've categorized the way that he works, these, this is what I find. And so if we, know, if we know how he comes at us, if we know what he uses, then we can stop him before he gets to us. Hmm? If you know, if you know, there's a, let's, let's talk very practically now. You know that there's somebody who's, who's against you. And you know they drive a yellow car. You know they drive a yellow car. They're against you. When you see a yellow car pulling up, what will you do? You prepare yourself, huh? You know what's coming. Because you, you study them, you know, you know how they come. This is how the enemy comes. This is his yellow car. So when you see deception starting to come into your mind, when you see somebody starting to say, say things that are, that are deceiving, ah, did God really say, ah, does, does, does that verse really still apply today? I thought that verse was just for back then. Is that, ah, no, that's deception. That's the yellow car. Be on guard, be aware. The same way with temptation. When temptation comes your way, God will never tempt you. God will never tempt you. He'll test you. He'll test you, but He doesn't tempt you. There's a difference. When temptation comes, look out. That's the enemy coming. Be aware. Again, accusation. Accusation. This one's a little bit easier to spot. But sometimes, sometimes accusation comes on the prayer line. And we're, we, get, we get a phone call and we say, did you know so-and-so did this? Did you know that they did that? I'm just, I'm just asking you to pray. Don't tell anybody. This is, just a, this is just a prayer item between you and I. But did you hear that she did this? Did you hear that she said like this? Can you believe it? But just pray. Just pray. Come on. It's gossip. Hmm? 
So this is how the enemy works. So when you see these things starting to come up, be mindful, be aware, be aware. Let me give you a couple of verses just to give you some hope. Go to First uh, Peter. First Peter. Actually, first of all, let's go to the book of James. No, no, no. First Peter. First Peter. Sorry. First Peter. Chapter four. First Peter, chapter four. And we'll read verses twelve through sixteen. First Peter chapter four, verses twelve through sixteen. It says this Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing has happened to you. Listen to that. You're facing a trial, not only a trial, but a fiery trial. Here we're told, brethren, don't think it's strange. Don't think it's strange when you face a fiery trial. Sometimes we go to the Lord and we say, God, this is, this, is, this is not me. God, why is this happening? God, why do I have to go through this? When here we're told, don't think it's strange. Don't think it's abnormal. Don't think it's uncommon for you as a citizen of the kingdom of God to go through a fiery trial. Don't think it's outside of, 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 of your repertoire. Don't think that it's, that it's something that you'll never deal with. Don't think it's strange, brethren, concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as, as some strange thing has happened to you. Verse 13, but rejoice. Woo. Don't think it's strange, but rejoice. Why? To the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. And when His glory is revealed, you may also be glad with what? Exceeding joy. For you are reproached for the name, if you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he's glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, nor a thief, nor an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Did you catch that? Being a busybody in other people's matters is in the same category as a murderer and a thief and an evildoer. Being a busybody in other people's matters. A busybody in other people's matters. Do you, do you see that? It's in the same category as a thief and a murderer and an evildoer. Let none of you, verse 15, suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. Verse, uh, let's stop there, let's stop there. So in verse, verse 13, we were told, don't think it's strange, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. Okay? Put your finger there 
and go back to Romans chapter 8. Put your finger there and go back to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 and verse 17. Uh, let's start in 16. Romans 8, 16, and 17. Are you there? Romans 8, 16, and 17. The Holy Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if we're children, then we're heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we what? Suffer with Him that we may also be glorified together. You mean in order for me to be a child of God, in order for me to be an heir, in order for me to be a co-heir with Christ, I have to suffer with Him? That's what it says. In this context, suffering sounds like a bad thing. We don't want that. that we should be, we should be over, able to overcome that suffering. But now let's go back to 1 Peter. In verse 12 and 13, verse 12 says, Don't think it's strange when you go through fiery trials, but rejoice to the extent that you are a partaker of Christ's sufferings. That when His glory is revealed, you will also be glad and with exceeding joy. What's that saying? That's saying that even though we face some resistance at times, even though we go through some challenges, even though we go through some things that aren't always comfortable, in that, God is going to come and He's going to glorify Himself. Somebody ought to said, amen. In that... In our suffering, in our resistance, God Himself is going to come and He's going to glorify Himself. He's going to take care of the resistance. He's going to take care of the things that are standing against us. He's going to take care of the things that are fighting us. And He's going to glorify Himself. So we don't find joy in our suffering because we like to suffer. We find joy in our suffering and in our resistance because we know that we serve a faithful God. And in His faithfulness, He's going to come and He's going to meet us in our suffering. And He's going to take care of the situation. And He's going to glorify Himself. And we're going to walk in victory the same way that, that Joseph, God met him in his suffering. And, he, and, 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 and God glorified himself and Joseph went on to fulfill the destiny that was on his life the same way that we see in the life of David God met him in his suffering God met him in his challenge and God was glorified and David went on to get the victory the same way that we see in the life of Moses even though the very people that he was trying to lead to freedom were the same ones that were speaking against him the same ones that were ready to throw him out and bring somebody else in. God met him while he was there. And get Moses went on to get the victory. Friends, the same is true for you. 
The same is true for you when you say yes to Jesus, when you say yes to God, and you say, God, I'm going with you all the way, and you face some suffering, and you face some resistance on your way. Just don't think that it's something strange. Don't think that it's something uncommon, because God is setting you up for victory. God's setting you up for himself to be glorified. He knows what he's going to do, and the more suffering that you go through, the more he's going to glorify himself. The more difficulty that you face, the more, the, the more powerfully he's going to come through for you. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. Now let's go to James. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. James is after Hebrews. If you, if, you don't, if you don't know the books of the Bible in order, if you can't quote the books of the Bible, all 66 in order, let me challenge you. Before this year ends, today is 7th. Hmm? We have around three weeks. Today's 8th, thank you. We have two, three weeks. Memorize the, all 66 books of the Bible in order. When I was young, I'm thankful for this. When I was young, my grandma taught me a song. A song of the books of the Bible. And even today, when I go to some of those books that I'm not always in, Habakkuk, Haggai, some of those, Zephaniah, some of those, I sing the song that my grandma taught me when I was seven, eight years old to help me remember those, those where I need to go. This one's after this one. This one's after there. If you, don't, if you don't know those books in order, I challenge you, before the year is finished, before the year is finished, memorize them in order. Okay? Do you accept the challenge? Okay. There's time. There's time. There's time. Um, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. My brethren... Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you might be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I remember shortly after I got saved and I was reading these verses. These, these verses. And I'm wondering, how can, how does patience fit into this picture? I didn't understand. How does me going through something difficult make me patient? And then if, if it makes me patient, how does patience having its perfect work Make me perfect and complete, lacking nothing. What is this thing about patience? But when I studied the word, a better word that, that uh, let me not say was misinterpreted, but a better word from the original language should have been endurance. 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 Let me read that again, replacing the word patience with the word endurance. My brethren, count it all joy 
when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. But let endurance have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Endurance. What does endurance do? It keeps you going. Endurance gives you one more boost of energy when you feel like giving up. Endurance says, don't give up now. Don't you quit. We're close. We're close to the finish line. We're close to the victory. Endurance. One of my, one of my close friends and his wife are always running in marathons. They're running in half marathons and 5Ks, and I don't know what all these mean, but me, I'm not a runner. I'm not a runner. But I love this guy. I love, he's, he's a brother to me. And so there was a day when I said, hey, I want to spend some time with you. And he said, okay, meet me here at 6 a.m. You're going to go running with me. I told him, no, I'll take a rain check. We'll go another time. But he, he said, no, we're going running. So I met him at 6 a.m. And we went, went running together. We didn't go far. For him, it was nothing. But for me, whew, I was ready for a break within just a few a short distance. And I told him, he, you, know how, you know how when you're running and you get winded and you, you can't talk well? Me, I, I was trying to have a... My whole reason I wanted to be with this guy so I could talk to him, he wanted to run. So I'm trying to have a conversation with him when we're running. And we're not, we're not jogging, we're running. We're going, we're full speed, huh? Maybe not full speed, but we were running. And so I'm trying to talk. And we're getting to the point where I, could, I couldn't say, I couldn't say what, I, what I wanted to say. And he's just talking to me like it's normal. This guy's trained. He knows what he's doing. So I said, ah, let's, there's a bench. Let's, let's go sit, sit on that bench. He said, nope, we're going. So we kept going. We kept going. Do you know what happened? There's something called a second wind. And it's real. I thought people were joking when they talk about a second wind. But I, I, I kept on going. I kept following him. And he was getting out ahead, so I'd have to catch up with him. And all of a sudden, something happened in my body where I got a second wind. I got a second boost of energy. And I was still tired. I still couldn't talk. But I was able to keep on going. I was able to catch up with him. There, that thing that happened was endurance. Because I kept on going. If I would have gone, to, if he would have allowed me to go to that bench, I would have never experienced that second win. And I'm not sure I ever want to experience it again. I'm okay if I never, if I never run like that again. Running is not for me. If you want to run, go ahead. I'll, I'll talk to you when you get done. <laughs> but there's, there's an endurance that we get when we keep on going. You have every chance to give up. You have every right to throw in the towel and to quit. But when you keep going, you get some endurance. That's why we're told in James chapter 1, count it joy. Because the trial of your faith produces endurance. And it, when you allow endurance to bring its perfect work, then it's going to make you complete, perfect, and lacking nothing. 
If you think of a rubber band, I wanted to bring a rubber band with me, but we couldn't find the one that I was looking for. If you think of a rubber band, when, it's, when you just hold it in your finger, it's of, it's of no use. Hmm? It's of no use. But its purpose becomes activated with resistance. Okay? That rubber band, without resistance, it's useless. It's useless. It won't benefit you at all without resistance. But when you, when you put some resistance into that rubber band, now it can hold what you want it to hold. It can, it can, it can, it can keep together what you want kept together. But in order for its purpose to become activated, it has to experience some resistance. And that's what James is talking about. Don't, he, he says, count it joy. Count it joy. Just get your mind right. When you face resistance, when you face something that's coming against you, get your mind right. Count it joy. Because it's going to build endurance in you. And when you, when you allow endurance to become part of your life, it's going to make you perfect and complete, lacking nothing. You see, the resistance that you face at times, it activates your, your purpose. It activates your calling. It's good for shaping you. It's good for, for molding you and, and making you into the man and woman that God has designed for you to be. So even though there's times when we want to, we want to get rid of that resistance, and sometimes, sometimes we need to get rid of the resistance, but understand, I, my, my, my desire today is that when you leave this place, that if there's resistance in your life, that you'll look at it a little bit differently. That you won't look at it as if, you know, God is, is wanting to hinder you or God is wanting to block you from fulfilling the thing that you're wanting to accomplish or you're wanting to fulfill. There's things in my life that I want to accomplish. There's things that I want to fulfill. But there's resistance that's there. So in the journey, in the journey, I'm allowing God to shape me and mold me and help me understand Him better and help me hear from Him more clearly so that when I get there, when He glorifies Himself, even in the middle of my resistance, when He glorifies Himself, that is going to be a beautiful thing. More beautiful than if I would just run ahead of Him. Because sometimes we can run ahead of God. But if we allow Him to take us on the journey, it's going to be more beautiful when we allow him to do what he wants to do. So church, I don't know where you find yourself in this today. We've talked about a lot. We've talked about a lot. Maybe, maybe there's something that you said yes to God about. And you're, you're desiring to serve God in that way. And you know, you know that as you make an effort to serve him in that manner, that there's something that's resisting you. People have been saying something about you. There's been something that's been blocking you. What's, how is God asking you to respond in that situation? Is He, is he asking you to, to change your perspective? Have you grown weary in the journey? Is He asking you to, to instead, of, instead of asking Him why, 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 is He asking you to find joy in it? Maybe you're here today and there's been something that God has, has asked you to do. 
And up till now, you've been hesitant to tell him yes because you know that probably you're going to face some challenges if you tell him yes. And today you see and you understand that even though you face some of those challenges, what, what's on the other side of those challenges, this, the challenges are not the full stop. But there's something on the other side of those challenges that becomes very beautiful. So maybe you're here today and you know God is asking something of your life. There's, there's something that God is wanting from you. There's an area that God's asking you to tell Him yes. Up till now you haven't because you see the challenges down the road. I pray today you'll tell Him yes because now you can look beyond the challenges to the beauty that He wants to make out of them. I don't know where you find yourself, but I just want us to give, I want, us, I want to give us uh, a few moments just to respond to God. So let's stand together.